Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goal. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Hello, 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 Maximal Beans. It is I, Jackie P. I am here, your favorite layman, sitting here with two wonderful people. One, of course, my co-hostess with the mostest, Doc Mock. Doc Mock, how are you today? Great, Jackie P. Great, great, great. Another sunny day here in Florida. Yep. Just uh, well, actually, we have sunny days here too in Philadelphia. So I know. I heard that. Yeah. Amazing. So not a big deal, you know. <laughs> uh, and extra, extra. Uh, and we have today uh, a very. I'm excited about this topic, and so are the people I text for questions. Uh, so we have Natasha Strait, a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified sex therapist. An AAMFT approved supervisor, which I don't know what that means, but we'll get back to that. And also owner and CEO of the Better You Institute. Natasha, how are you today? Hi. Yes, I'm wonderful. Also enjoying the sun in Philadelphia. So happy to be here. Um, I'm excited as well for this talk and to kind of just share um, my thoughts and everything about these topics and see what the questions are. I'm excited for that. So, yeah, I've got, there, there are some, there are some odd ones, but you know, I roll with, with odd <laughs> folks. So I mean, uh, we're talking I, I, about sex, Jackie. Yeah. There's gotta be some. Exactly. Some yeah. You're not going to hit me with anything I haven't heard before. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm not worried. I know you can handle it. Uh, so for those of you who may be listening for the first time, hello, I'm Jackie P. I am the layman here. And also this is the first time doc mock. I believe you'll be the layman here. We're doing the double layman duty here. I know. I, I am not a sex therapist. By yes. any. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I will make sure that Natasha keeps things on layman's terms, right? And use doesn't isn't using jargon that, you know, someone walks off the street wouldn't understand. Uh, and Doc Mock. Hello, hello, hello. Maximal beings. Thanks, Jackie P, for that intro. Uh, I'm Doc Mock. I'm a functional medicine certified doctor as of last week. Pass those Ooh. boards. And then also, I'm a licensed gastroenterologist, therapeutic endos- uh, endoscopist practicing in Tampa, Florida. I'm so happy to be here. And this is definitely a topic that is important to all of you at home. So listen up and learn. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all. But did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com slash courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health. 
but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528, and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. So, Natasha, we always start the show with your origin story. So if you could tell the people, you know, a little bit of background, how did you get into what you do and, uh, you know, kind of catch us up. Yeah. Um, I love going all the way back to my origin story, which is uh, I'm from a very small area in New York. I graduated with a class of 39 kids. So if you can imagine, and that's public school. Um, Yeah. So um, very kind of small town, sheltered, um, area and I played a lot of sports and I found myself using like Teddy Grahams or whatever I could get my hands on to do sex talks or, um, having conversations on the buses to soccer games or softball, things like that. Um, I became very comfortable talking about sex, even though sometimes I don't, didn't know what I was talking about, but I was excited about hosting the conversation. Um, and actually a coach pulled me aside and said, you're not being a lady. You can't have those types of conversations. Um, you need to kind of wrap it up. So that to me was just like an aha moment of, um, what kids are capable of in terms of comfortability and what we're wanting and seeking and yet what the adults are telling us yes or no to. Um, and so fast forward, I got into, um, college and I was so passionate about sex, but not really like, how do you make that a career kind of thing? So I went into psychology and then my junior year took a course that, um, was given by a professor who, um, is, she was also an adjunct at where I'm got my master's and finishing out my PhD, interestingly. So I learned, oh, you can make a career out of sex and um, you can kind of form fit it. And I really liked the therapeutic aspect of things, which is why I went on to do my first master's in marriage and family therapy, um, which is like systemic thinking, thinking about a person as a whole through all of their environments, their family systems, friends, work, things like that. Um, and then really honed in on the specialization with my second master's and soon to be PhD. I'm hopefully different. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, uh, learning at a young age, um, that people want certain things in education and that there are certain people that are uncomfortable by that. And so we just kind of need to push the envelope in a healthy, safe, consensual way. Um, and so that was my passion. Wonderful. And also I'd like to take a, a, a break, a real pause and say shame on that coach. But, you know, I think, yeah. you know, that spurred something in your right to kind of continue the journey. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that with us. That's that's pretty cool. And also, twenty nine kids in your class. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. I'm sorry. Thirty nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Makes it hard to date. Yeah, I'm about to say it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone knows their cousins, their aunts, their uncles. What you're wow. doing when you pick your wedgie? Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. So, um, let's. You know, you 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 broached the, the the topic of you know why is sex so difficult to talk about? I'll be honest. Everyone knows me. I'm pretty. I'm an open book, but even myself, like, even when talking about sex with my wife, I like. I'm like on eggshells, right? So, I mean, and this might be like a, a very, you know, broad scope question, but like, what, what is it? Is it just a societal thing? Do you, is it something that we're trained from we're young? Like, and have you seen that trend change? Because uh, I feel like the youth today are like much more out there, much more themselves. Sure. Um, I'll answer the last part first. Um, I think that we're certainly in a sexual revolution, much like back in the 60s and 70s. Um, so yeah, making discussions more open, um, information more available, um, acceptance, uh, just more like everyone is more accepting, I think. Um, and at the same time, I wish I had an easy answer for your first <laughs> question. I think there's a lot of things that are at play. Um, I work like kind of from a narrative perspective. So what's the messaging that we received from our parents, from our coaches, school teachers? Um, what are the messages that we didn't receive, but actually sent a pretty loud message, right? Like if our parents aren't openly talking about sex, sexuality, penises, vaginas, using proper um, nouns to describe things at the dinner table or um, at the doctor's offices, what kind of messaging is that sending us? Um, and then just uh, nonverbals are really important too. So I think messaging and then the narratives that get created around that is super important. Um, I would also like, if you look at little kids, um, they're not shamed of anything, right? And over time, they start to become shameful of certain things or have these ideas of what their body should look like or not look like or who they should be and how they should carry themselves. So I don't think it's necessarily like innate to us. Um, and if you look culturally, certainly there are universal aspects to sex and sexuality, but there are also a lot of cultural aspects to sex and sexuality. So um, I'm kind of on the side of side of learned um, behaviors and thoughts. Um, but I mean, maybe the research is out there for some innate stuff as well. I think innate probably more on like the orientation, um, identity kind of stuff. I feel like we always vacillate in this world of nature versus nurture in all areas of medicine. And it's both, right? You know, it's got to be both. Like we, we spent so much time debating it, but how can both sides not be partially correct? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's what parts you look at it in terms of the sexuality piece mm -hmm. of things. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and that's a great seg segue um, because uh, it is, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're recording this during Pride Month. So I like to say happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. And uh, also happy belated Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Because yeah, that absolutely. is, I mean, I feel like both of these months should be every month, right? But that's a longer conversation that we, you know, we have to have. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, something as well, I, I think would, you know, you said sexual orientation, sexual expression, and... Uh, I find myself personally tr uh, trying to keep up, right? Trying to make sure I 
understand what cisgender means. And, you know, I just learned the other day, uh, AFAB, assigned female at birth. Um, So can can you walk as like a very basic, like, like, you know, gender, gender 101 for dummies for like myself and like say, what, what's the difference between like a sexual expression versus orientation and, uh, and gender, right? And just so for, for those of us like me, who's just trying to keep up and make sure that we're yeah. in the know. Yeah. And I think I, I want to kind of put the caveat out there that um, I am not an expert in this at all. And I, I'm with you, Jackie, like I try to keep up with um, the different terms and phrases. Um, Ultimately, like when I'm working with clients, I try to ask them, like, what do you want me to refer to you as? How do you identify using their language? Um, But there are people like there are gender studies out there. So there are people who certainly make um, it's more of their specialization. So I do want to say that. Um, So I'm kind of at a basic level as well. Um, So I would say for the most part, like it's up to who you're having a conversation with and kind of what they want and what their comfortability is. Um, and I, again, I'm a cisgendered female. Um, and so I'm coming kind of from a place of privilege here, um, and not in that community. And so, um, how I, like how I think and feel and say may not be aligned with someone in the community. So I'll keep kind of, I'll keep my answer kind of limited with that one. Sure, sure. No, fair. Completely understood. Um, and uh, I'd like to also talk a little bit about um, I, on on your website, on your website, on your page. So I have a, a strong feeling we can discuss this because uh, this is something that I feel I've been seeing a lot more, and maybe you can talk more about. But uh, ethical non-monogamy. Yes. Um, I'd like to one learn why did the ethical had to come in? Like, why did they have to, you know, how did that get into that place? And also, can you explain that to me? So I don't know actually the history and of like the syntax of the ethical aspect yeah. of it. Uh, I can take a guess to say like ethical meaning consensual non-monogamy. Sure. All partners involved are in agreement and that they're consenting to the versus like, cheating, for example, is technically non-monogamy, but certain partners are not consenting to that. And so I think just the ethical aspect of it. Um, And then, yeah, what is it? Um, So it's different for different people and how they um, uh, define it. There are certain people who say like, it's absolutely different than like polyamorous or open relationships. Um, it tends to be more on the sexual side of things versus like relational intimate side of things. Um, whereas other people will say, no, it kind of falls under the same um, terminology and um, activities and things like that. Um, and so it just depends one on who you ask and how they're defining it for themselves. Um, again, like I try to lean into if a client is saying ENM or ethical non-monogamy versus open relationship, one, I just say like, what does that exactly mean to you? What does that entail? Um, and I've gotten different answers from different clients. Um, and so I try to lean in mostly to their definitions, but I think overall, and if you like wanted to go to a 
din- dinner with friends or something, say I learned about ethical non-monogamy, I would say the biggest difference is probably sexual versus relational. And and, and would you say that is uh, something, uh, you know, polyamory and, you know, I, it, for me, and like I said, I'm trying to keep up, right? So I don't know if it's something that's been here f- for decades, or is this just something that, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's a sexual revolution. Would you, would you say you see a trend in this becoming more common where folks are realizing that, hey, not everyone wants to just be with one person and be married and have, you know, three kids and like, there's a full spectrum of how you want to be in a relationship? I think that's tough to say, because if you think about like permission giving or um, just kind of where we're at in terms of acceptance of these like non-heteronormative types of relationships, people probably feel more permission to own that this is who they are or how they're feeling or what they're needing out of relationships. Whereas maybe five, 10 years ago, they didn't feel that permission, yet they still felt that within them that this is what they wanted. Um, And so I think probably 10, 15 years ago, you were hearing a lot about people who kind of stifled that in themselves. Um, Maybe years down the road after being married in a monogamous relationship, having kids kind of finally realizing or giving themselves permission to like go through the coming out process of that. Um, Whereas now I think people feel more permission to have those types of relationships upfront and be more open with them. Um, Open in terms of that's what their wants or desires are not open as an open relationship. But, um, and I also think uh, access to resources, something like a podcast right now that we're talking about it. Um, I know um, Dan Siegel talks about um ethical non-monogamy all the time and his podcast is huge right so different resources are definitely more available um, especially like pandemic people were on netflix um sex love and goop was a huge thing um there was another one that just came out on netflix that went crazy like people had it had really good ratings and talked about these things so i think too just like people learning about it and going oh that's what i am um Mm. can kind of feel uh normalized in that What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock. And I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. How do you differentiate in people that come to you with a physiologic sexual dysfunction versus more of a psychosocial sexual dysfunction? How do you hash that out and how do you direct them? Sure. That's a great question, especially coming from a doctor. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a layman question. (laughs) That sounds like a very, like, I've got to go back and look up definitions now, but yeah. So great question. Right. right. Do you have a physical problem that's limiting your sexual ability or is it more a mental uh, thing going on? Um, 
essentially delineating, like, do I need to see a sex therapist or do I need to see a doctor? Right. And a lot of times people will come to us having already gone to a doctor, their tests have come back negative. So they've seen the endocrinologist, they've gotten the blood work done, they've done all of the things um, and everything comes back quote unquote normal. So that's a big indicator. And if they haven't gotten any of that, we'll send them to at least their primary care and say, Hey, at least get some blood work, test, um, like hormone levels, different things like that. Um, and we try to get them to do that prior to their first appointment or within the first couple of appointments. Um, and then a big one, one of my number one questions is, does it happen while you're masturbating? Uh, so it's, if it's situational, meaning with a partner um, or partners and not when it's on your own. And so your, your uh, physical stuff is working, right? Like genitalia, orgasm, all of the things that you want to work when you're masturbating. Um, but when it's with a partner, nothing's happening or it's not working the way you want it to. So that to me is a pretty big indicator of psychological, um, and then on top of that, if all tests came back, quote unquote, normal. So, and then I guess a follow up to that. So people that do have true, like true medical conditions, limiting them, you know, I, I just, maybe this is more too much of a political statement, but I just feel like we overvalue a man's role in those sorts of dysfunctions and severely undervalue or almost shame a woman's role in those sorts of dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you look at even just like the medications that are available, um, and yep. kind of, use, um, yeah, marketed with that, um, which is, yeah, like you said, kind of, well, it's a shame that that's, there's such a discrepancy there. Um, but I also think if you're thinking again about like traditional scripts or messaging, um, women aren't supposed to use their bodies for pleasure. They're supposed to use them for procreation, carry the baby, do all of these things. Um, if you think back like to the 1940s and fifties, women typically didn't get a chance to have an orgasm because men were climbing on top. It was about the man's orgasm and then getting off and then that'd be that. So, um, I think, while we've made a lot of progress and kind of equalizing men and women's pleasure, I think we still have a very long way to go. Some of it could be helped with like pharmaceuticals and medications and things like that. And then other of it is just kind of getting the word out there that women are, they, their bodies are pleasurable and that they deserve that and that they can take pleasure from their sexual experiences. And then on the other side of that, that like, I'm a firm believer that we are in charge of our own sexual pleasure. So a man is not giving a woman, and this is very heteronormative conversation, but like a man is not giving their partner the pleasure that the partner themselves is taking that pleasure and in charge of their own pleasure um, and vice versa for women. Um, yeah. I could go on a long time about that. I don't know. if Wonderful. It's- yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can talk about it. Like I've got questions. Like I said, I've got my phone here because I've, I've got questions. They're so all over the place. It's hard to weave them in natural. So we might just have like a rapid fire hot seat session. Okay. Um, but yes, I actually, uh, was in a conversation with this, uh, about this, um, with some friends the other day about women's pleasure. Right. And how also another thing that's evolving where it's like, yeah, like, it's just not about the guy, right. To, you know, to, to get his rocks off as they say. And, and, uh, but then, you know, men, and I know, you know, 
like me as a dude, I am pretty dumb, right? Like when it comes to the woman's body, like I feel like we're much more simple, right? And uh, I feel like sometimes, uh, in my opinion, in my life and what I've seen out in media and amongst friends, that sometimes it's it is a mystery, right? Like, okay, like how you know how do you pleasure a woman, right? And I feel like sometimes because of our pre what we said before about like people are so closed up about sex and pleasure that it becomes this thing where I've seen one partner not be happy and then the other partner not even know because it's like we're no one is talking about sex, right, and pleasure. Um, so uh, that brings me to my next question. Um, do you believe or do you have an opinion of uh, like sexual compatibility? Like, is it possible that there are two people even if they love each other, just sexually, they're not compatible. Oh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, I think that it can go for sex relationships, right? Like relationships, sometimes you, you get couples in that have like fundamental differences. One wants kids, one doesn't. One wants to live in a city, one doesn't. Um, and these are pretty like deep-seated ingrained things for our own like comfort and wants and desires out of life um and i think it's the same thing for uh like sexual wants and desires right is one person maybe wants an ethical non-monogamous relationship one person doesn't um and so and I've seen couples like work through that, right? Like there's a thing called gridlock and couples can accept that we are gridlocked on this specific thing. Um, and so is it something in terms of our sexual compatibility? Maybe. Um, but I have also like a lot of my couples who come in and say like, we're not compatible. It's always been clunky. We've never really had good chemistry. Um, a lot of times it's because of what they're bringing into the room aside from just their genitals, but they're bringing in so much baggage of the sexual messaging. Um, like to, to kind of pick a little on you, Jackie, even just your, uh, how you described that, right? Like men are simple. Women are a little bit more complex. Um, that messaging can put a lot of pressure on men that I should be able to get an erection automatically, that my pipe should be working every single time and that there should be no issues. It's simple. It's just one thing. Um, and for women to come into the bedrooms thinking I'm complex. And when people are complex, you have to move and groove and do all of these things versus just like making it simple breathing and like leaning into whatever the pleasure is that your body is about to give you. Um, but if they're in their head thinking I'm complex and I'm not ever going to reach my orgasm, how could I possibly do that? Um, that's creating mm. the, um, lack of compatibility sometimes. Wow. Thank you for calling me out. I like that. And then that, so you got to watch your words, folks. You got to watch your words because I don't know anything. if you're watching your words, right? It's more of just being aware of the meaning behind the words. And sure. is there something that I'm uh, unconsciously bringing into the bedroom or the tape, the dining room table or wherever it is that you want to be sexual um, without awareness for it? But that is at play. I think a lot of times when we think about sex, we think about the act of sex, 
or being sexual, but really it's a mental game. I always say your biggest sex organ is between your ears. It's your brain. Um, because you could be having sex with like Carmen Electra to kind of date myself, but <laughs> I get the reference too. Yeah, I like she's still hot, right? Or Alvin Hall? She is. <laughs> In my brain, I'm like, oh yeah, she's hot. Yeah, she's she's very attractive. Yeah. But if you're up here thinking, gosh, my my uh, penis is a simple thing. Why isn't it working? Why am I not getting this? Is Carmen Electra? What's going on? And you're up in your head. It doesn't matter what she does or who she is in the room. You're not going to have a pleasurable experience. Fair point. That's that's. Man, I feel like I'm learning so much. I should. I'm gonna. I'm not the. I'm yeah. this, I'm gonna have to come back and rewatch this. And take, if only somebody was like recording this and yeah, putting like it this, on the internet. If and, you can like uh, listen to it gosh. while you drove or while you worked out or something, that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, or maybe if you had sex, that'd be. You think someone has listened to our podcast having sex? I I cannot statistically. Doubt that. Yes, <laughs> statistically, even if it's by mistake, like I mean, we have an expert here. What what do you think? About <laughs> yeah. <that? laughs> Anything is possible in terms of what gets people off. So it could be these sultry voices of the two of you. <laughs> Nothing oh, sexier you, than you. gut health, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Microbiome gets the people going. Absolutely. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Every time. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science. <laughs>